Do you struggle with what it means to be successful in your retirement? Trust us, you're not alone. Welcome to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Here, you'll go in-depth with Guidance Point Advisors Investment Consultants to hear stories about how retirees in Maine are navigating a successful retirement. Get insight into the inevitable challenges of aging and define what a successful retirement looks like. Welcome, everybody, to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. My name is Ben Smith. I'm joined uh, by my two colleagues, Abby Duty and Curtis Wister, the schooner in whitewater raft to my kayak. How are you guys doing today? <laughs> Good. How are you, Ben? I'm great. I'm great. We're going to talk a, a kind of a different topic today, and I know we've kind of we dart around a lot, but you know, one thing that we've we've heard is you know you really think in retirement that we're going to be stress and anxiety free, right? And life is just six Saturdays and a Sunday. So, but there's always something to worry about, right? And in starting with a retirement transition period of who am I and what do I do with the rest of my life mm. to financial, medical, relationships, and life in general. So one thing we found with our clients is just because one part of their life retires, other things in their life steps into completely complete their time more, right? And with that, stress accompanies life. So what can we do to de-stress our lifestyles? How do we quiet our minds and heal ourselves from years of job, family, money, relational, and other life stresses? Well, meditation is a great way to clear our minds and de-stress ourselves. So we really wanted to dive into meditation and how it can help today's retiree. So that's the premise of today's show. And I also want to mention that a longtime listener of the podcast, Barbara Higgins, she got in contact with us and said that we needed to cover meditation. <laughs> she says it's helped her and, and it's something that brought a lot of calm to her life. And she thought it'd be something that would be key to a successful retirement. So our next guest is a meditation teacher and energy worker specializing in meditation, women's energetics, and sexual trauma healing. She is the author of The Art and Science of Meditation, How to Deepen and Personalize Your Practice in Chakra Empowerment for Women, Self-Guided Techniques for Healing Trauma, Owning Your Power, and Finding Overall Wellness. She is trained in many energy healing modalities and is certified in both mindfulness meditation instruction and trauma sensitivity. She's a member of the International Association of Meditation Instructors, the American Holistic Health Association, the Energy Medicine Practitioners Association and Breathe Network, a nonprofit dedicated to supporting holistic, holistic healing for sexual trauma survivors. She supports individuals in goal attainment and to support physical healing, showing them how energy meditations and guided exercise can help. So at this time, please welcome Lisa Erickson to the Retirement Success and Main podcast. Lisa, welcome. Thank you, Ben. And thank you, Curtis, Abby, and Barbara as well. (laughs) I appreciate it. Yeah, well, um, I've known Barbara for a lot of years, and she was not shy in reaching out to me and said, you know, you you guys, uh, you know, you got to get this. And we said, well, geez, we no better time to start than right now. All right. Lisa, the, old, the the thing that we always like to start our shows with is really getting to know you, right? Is, you know, in terms of your path, we want to hear a little bit more about your path growing up and kind of uh, getting towards kind of your, your expertise and your acumen today. So can you tell us just a little bit about your growing up experience and towards your educational path here? Yeah. 
Well, my father was in the Air Force, so I grew up all over. Both of my parents are from the upper Midwest, Minnesota and Iowa, and they've settled back there. And so most of my relatives are there in Minnesota and Iowa, but I now live in California. But I grew up all over the United States, mostly on Air Force bases. So that was kind of a unique upbringing. Mm-hmm. And then I headed to college at Sarah Lawrence in New York, uh, mm-hmm. just outside of New York City. Mm-hmm. And that is, in fact, although I wasn't studying it at the time, it is, in fact, where I was introduced to meditation in a very early yoga class. Yoga was not, mm-hmm. this is over 30 years ago, so yoga was not as popular as it is now. Mm-hmm. But they did have a yoga and meditation class, and I was experiencing some stress issues. So I was first Uh, came into contact with it then. And then later in my corporate career in New York City, I turned to it again. And then it really, it took at that point. Nice. So in terms of getting to meditation and and really in yoga and kind of all those pieces, so can you talk about this going from the corporate world to, hey, this is something not only I'm passionate about, but I need to make it my vocation. Like what was something, because it sounds like that's a, that, that must've been a really hard transition for anybody to say, hey, I'm going to give up this area over here. And, and especially I think where maybe yoga and meditation are maybe a little misunderstood. I'm sure there's kind of social and cultural pressure there too about, hey, you're doing this. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it was a long-term transition. I worked in technology for almost 15 years and my meditation practice was a personal thing. I was pursuing training and I was in fact teaching classes at a certain point, you know, in the evenings on the side, but I never contemplated it as a career or the kind of private coaching that I do now, which also involves energy work, which is kind of a different, it's related to meditation, but really a, a whole different thing. And I had also been studying on the side. In my case, it was really a health crisis that occurred after the birth of my first daughter. She is now 16. I had children late, so I was 38 at the time. And I had a health crisis after her birth. I had a severe gallbladder attack and then pancreatitis and then an infection I was in and out of the hospital. It really shocked me because in many ways, I viewed myself as being so healthy, like I had worked it all out, right? (laughs) How could this hit me so hard, right? (laughs) And all of the challenges of making that transition. So that actually led me to do a lot of research and take some courses specifically in women's energetics and women's health that led me to my current line of work. And I do work with both women and men, but I do a lot of work with women. And that really is kind of that, that health crisis led me to gradually transition into doing this full time. And now I've been doing it for 15 years. Gotcha. Well, I guess another question we always like to ask our, our guests that come on is, what do you love about your job? Mm. I love seeing people transform and heal and grow. I mean, it's a privilege to see how these tools and techniques can help someone transform over time. And when you're feeling down, actually, when you work with a client and see shifts in them, that can lift you up. It gives you hope, right? So it's really a gift to be a part of that. Nice. I love that. Well, I want to, uh, again, for all of our shows too, especially with meditation. And I know uh, for, for some people that are already in it and, you know, this is a show that we want to go, Hey, you might be a beginner. You might never experience meditation ever before. Right. So we wanted to really start with the first question here about building some common foundational knowledge together. So can you tell us a little bit about the different meditation forms mm-hmm. and what benefits have been scientifically proven for each? 
Well, I'm glad you asked this because I do think some people get intimidated by meditation. I'll often run into people that are be, be like, oh yeah, I tried that once and it wasn't for me, right? right, right. My mind was really busy the whole time or I mm -hmm. felt restless, right? Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of different forms of meditation and there's also a lot of benefits associated with it. But also the one thing that they all are tied together by is the point is you're practicing. Like we call meditation, meditation practice. What are you practicing? No matter what form of meditation you do, you're practicing pulling your mind back from what it goes to on its own, right? And that is the gift of meditation and across all the different styles of meditation, that is what we've been able to map the changes to the brain to. So you might be focusing on your breath. You might be focusing on a picture. You might be focusing on music. There's a lot of different focuses that you could use in meditation. You might be focusing on an energy center, which is called a chakra. Uh, there's a lot of different forms, but no matter what your anchor is, that's called your meditation anchor, what you're practicing is pulling your mind back over and over. It starts thinking about what you're gonna have for dinner and you pull it back to your anchor, right? It starts thinking about what you should have said to that annoying person at the grocery store and you pull it back, right? And each time you do that, you are remapping your brain, right? You're actually creating new neural pathways around uh, your reactionary mind and staying centered. And that actually does change your brain. And so that benefit is across all meditation forms, whatever you choose to focus on. So within that, you can kind of experiment with what form of meditation you enjoy the most and what length of time works for you. But if you reframe it as, oh, okay, yeah, I'm not, it isn't about you, every time you sit down, you feel blissful and peaceful. And if you don't feel that you're a failure at meditation, but if you let go of that and you focus instead of, oh, wow, I pulled my mind back 55 times, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> you know, that's really what it is. And eventually the length of time that you stay before your mind starts wandering, starts getting just a little bit longer. And then eventually it starts building new neural pathways that help you pull your mind back out in life. You're starting to get irritated. And because you've practiced that, a part of you goes, stop. I don't have to react to this. I can stop and choose my response. And that's how it's tied into all of its other benefits. It's a really great explanation because, you know, mm -hmm. I think we're, you know, maybe there's, there's a, a good number of people out there that have, have maybe just done a meditation session and tried it. And I think the, the, the super hyper act, you know, the type A people out there is, well, I think, isn't it like, I'm just supposed to be in kind of this very neutral state and very calm. And because my mind is like, well, my due date is this on, on this project. And, you know, what am I going to cook for grocery? Uh, what do we need for groceries to cook dinner tonight? And, you know, I really only have 30 more minutes that I need to be kind of doing this. And what am I going to do at the 31st? Your, your mind kind of attacks you a little bit when you're when you're doing that so it feels like maybe you're failing like oh I didn't I didn't ever relax and I didn't it just wasn't maybe that's the the thing that wasn't for me so what, what I hear you explaining is maybe just you got to that point one right where you pulled your mind back into maybe it's just the first session you just did that once and maybe that's the win right mm -hmm. is is part of that absolutely yeah and it does over time when you become able to settle for a little bit longer periods of time before your mind wanders, it does trigger what's called the relaxation response in your body, which is releasing the chemicals and endorphins that are actually the opposite of the stress response. When we feel stressed, we release 
cortisone or cortisol and adrenaline, right? And there's the opposite hormones and endorphins linked to the relaxation response. So it's great when you have a meditation and you settle into that relaxation response. There's a lot of other things that can happen when that mm -hmm. occurs and it kind of remaps your, your nervous system and that's great. But a meditation is not a failure if that doesn't happen, right? That can take time. And every time you pull your mind back, you're, you're retraining yourself. Um, so kind of going along the same thread, what are some of the most common challenges that you see to somebody starting a meditation practice or kind of refueling or regenerating their practice? And what advice do you have for someone experiencing those challenges? Yeah. Well, you know, we've learned a lot about routine formation, the ability to establish a new routine or habit based on research over the last couple of decades. And no matter what kind of new habit or routine you are trying to develop, there's certain things that will help you. And the main one is to do something every day in the same place at the same time. Now that's not always feasible, but there is a huge boost in someone's chances of forming a lifelong habit if for a set period of time, and that usually say six to 12 weeks, and I know that sounds like, oh my gosh, that's a long time, but I'm laying out the research and then I'll, I'll inch it back from what you <laughs> can try to do. The ideally, you commit for six to 12 weeks, I'm gonna try to do this thing every day in the same place at the same time, right? And I would say with meditation, start with five or 10 minutes if that's all you feel you can do. 20 minutes is great. In a lot of medical studies that they try to train people to do 20 minutes, but five, 10 minutes, you know, first thing when I wake up and then you don't beat yourself up when you miss a day. Research also shows us missing one day doesn't really decrease your chances. Missing two days is when it starts getting harder and then three and four, which we all know because it's like that about going to the gym or anything, right? <laughs> so you just get right back on the horse if you miss one day and you're still good, right? So these are the things you want to do. Dedicate a little corner of your house. Uh, to a little corner that is just for meditation, if you can, so that your body begins to associate it with, oh, we're sitting here. This is what we're doing now, right? Mm -hmm. Buy yourself a special cushion or just put a picture there of your favorite vacation spot, right? Something that represents relaxation to you. And so there's a trigger for your mind and you sit down there every day and you do your thing and then you get up and, and keep going. And if you do that for six to 12 months, or six or 12 weeks, sorry, mm -hmm. it will become automatic. You won't have to think about it anymore. And when you don't do it, you'll be like, you'll feel a loss of it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's really the basics. I think if someone can't do that, you pick what you can do because realistic goals is really important. And that's mm -hmm. one of the number one hurdles is someone saying, okay, as of tomorrow, I'm meditating an hour a day. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if, if you're like, okay, what's going to work for me? These are the two days a week I can meditate then extend the habit formation, like make a commitment. Okay, I'm going to do two days a week for six months. Give it a try mm. for 10 minutes, right? Extend the length of time and the habit will still take, right? And then say that, have a witness to it, right? Stick it on your mirror, right? These are the things that help you do that. And eventually it will become automatic. Mm. I think other hurdles are physical restlessness and things like that, mm -hmm. which, we can, which we can get into if you want, but I'll, I'll let you respond because I've said a lot already. No, I, I would love to hear more about that, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. I could see where, you know, you sit down, right? And you're saying, all right, well, maybe I have an unrealistic expectation of time, right? As as you said, you know, people starting out with an hour and maybe that's way, way too much. And, you know, starting with 10 minutes and twice a week and just, just getting to that point and trying to 
uh, get to a point of relaxation. But can you talk about, again, from a physical perspective, you know, I, I, I guess what I want to attack is that stereotype of, hey, I think people are thinking of I'm 65 years old, I'm 85 years old. I, I know you're going to, you're going to tell another story about another person that in your life that maybe is a little older that's doing this, but <laughs> to the point of, I got to go, I'm going to go sit on the floor and I see in, in what I think is a stereotype of that person sitting on the floor is crossing their legs and, mm-hmm. you know, and they maybe middle finger to, to thumb and they're doing this and it, they go, well, I feel uncomfortable. That isn't me in terms of my at a relaxation state. That doesn't make me relax by sitting this way. Can you talk about kind of what it is for everybody and maybe how it's individual individualized here with maybe from a physical perspective? Yeah. Well, and I mentioned a cushion and you know what? I'm going to take that back and just find a chair, you know, okay. pick a spot. Yeah. I think one thing that is sort of universal across different meditation traditions is trying to, to uh, cultivate as healthy a posture as you can when you meditate, but you can do that with as many pillows as you want. So at this point in my life, I have lumbar support, (laughs) right? Uh, And all of that. So you can be in a chair, you can be on your couch, as long as you have pillows behind you, you don't want to be hunched if possible. You know, if that's a challenge, then you do what you can. Uh, It's really about aligning the spine, which aligns the nervous system, the energy body, things like that. So you do your best with that, right? But a chair is absolutely fine, whatever is comfortable. And, um, and then with physical restlessness, you know, I sometimes encourage people to go ahead and, and rock a little bit if that feels okay to you. For some people, that will mitigate that feeling. Also experimenting with the meditation form. I find that the main meditation form you'll often find guided is focusing on your breath. For people who are physically restless, sometimes that's not the best form because it actually brings your attention to your body, your breath, Mm. and focusing on something outside of yourself is better. So you could do a candle flame. You could do, there's pictures uh, called mandalas or yantras. This is an example of one here. You can find something like that, a symmetrical type picture. There's a lot that are designed for meditation and you're just gazing the very center of it. Sometimes those kinds of things help someone physically settle more than focusing on their breath. So it can be helpful to experiment with forms. And then there's moving forms, which I know we're going to get into. Walking meditation, I'm a big fan of, and other things like that. Lisa, I want to rotate to something that that Ben read off um, actually in your bio at the beginning, and that's energy work. And for someone who maybe has you know, completely new to the idea of energy work. Can you just take a minute and describe it, define it, kind of explain yeah. what, what that idea of energy work is? This is based on traditions which really have come from all around the world that teach that in addition to our physical anatomy, we have an energy anatomy. And it's sort of like this interface between our physical body, our psyche, and our spirit or soul, if you believe in that, right? Mm-hmm. And these traditions, some of them are energy medicine-based, Acupuncture is, in fact, based on an energy mapping called the meridians, right? Mm -hmm. Yoga is based on another energy mapping that involves what's called the chakras or energy centers. And yoga postures are not just based on our physical anatomy and our muscles and stretching certain things out. It's also based on our energy anatomy and smoothing and opening and clearing different energy lines and centers in our body. So anyone who's experienced acupuncture or yoga has in in fact been involved with an energy modality 
wasn't necessarily taught to them or presented to them that way, but they are both based on energy mappings, right? There's other kinds of energy work you can do yourself. There's meditations where you focus on energy centers in your body. I'm, I'm pointing to my chest because there's the heart chakra is based right here. That's a popular one to meditate on. The third eye is in our forehead. And, and you would literally just visualize light. It's one of the most common meditations or a picture in that location of your body. And then there's a lot of other kinds of energy work for healing. So I do a lot of trauma healing. We're working with where you might feel as if certain emotions or experiences are trapped almost in your body, right? That's what we've learned about trauma. Things feel trapped in the physical body, trapped in the energy body. And there's different processes and techniques and tools that you can use to help loosen them and heal them. And and I want to talk to you a lot about that, Lisa, because <laughs> I, I think with, I want to maybe foreshadow here the question that we'll, we'll just talk about later in the episode here. But, you know, I, I think from some of our clients, they retire and they're still stuck. They're, they're, they're kind of stuck from the, again, maybe they felt that they were treated unfairly at work for a long period of time. They're just kind of stuck in different areas, right? And, and us as um, helpers, right, is just kind of being helpful at time and, and being, again, trying to coach wherever we can. In addition to matching money to, to our life purpose, it, you know, a lot of people just want to have somebody that they feel they can trust and talk to. I'm interested in that. I want to want to kind of talk about that as maybe a, a possible solution to instead of just, hey, let's sit down and talk with Ben, Abby and Curtis and really unload for two hours, which is helpful, right? To kind of get things off your chest and feel that, you know, you're, this is a safe place and we can do something, but to make it better. Right. And, and, and that's where, you know, I, I think where I want to kind of go with you a little bit, but, but I do want to go back to the point of, you know, you kind of talking about yoga and other areas as moving meditation. Mm-hmm. And, and from our, our perspective too, is, you know, I, I think where we see a lot of retirees is they're starting to practice yoga more and more, not only just for physical benefits, right. But, you know, maybe it was what you're saying is there's meditation or med- mental benefits here. So, can we talk about retirees specifically that are looking to develop or start yoga and a meditation practice? How, how do they kind of get going? Right. Cause I, I could see where, you know, I've never done this before in my life. I really want to take a step of it. I'm a little intimidated by what we just talked about the why I tried it once and I felt like I failed. Yeah. So, and I know you gave that step of committing to, you know, a space and committing to time and, and doing that. But if they really say, I want to get started, maybe after retirement. Could you, you, you have some advice there? Yeah. Well, and other modalities that I would mention along those lines are Tai Chi and Qigong. Mm-hmm. My 94 year old father-in-law does Tai Chi at a local senior center. And of course that's um, growing in popularity as well. Mm-hmm. And that is also a mind body modality. That's a, kind of what we call these modalities like yoga that are moving meditation. They're meditation because you are trying to pull your mind back and stay present, right? It, uh, you know, when you're on the Stairmaster or the elliptical or that kind of exercise, you might be thinking about all sorts of things, right? Mm-hmm. When you're engaged in Tai Chi or yoga, some of these related practices, you are trying to stay completely present to it. So that is a meditation form, right? And I think the most important thing is finding a teacher and or a group or modality that understands your physical body and how to adjust and adapt poses because yoga is for every body type Mm -hmm. and a good teacher 
knows the different variations on every posture and pose to work to the best of that person's ability. So you want to make sure that you find a teacher who does that, right? Mm -hmm. And if you don't have someone available locally, there is an increasing number of teachers available online, right? Both live classes and recorded classes. So you can really experiment and make sure you find someone that meets those needs, right? I think an increasing number of senior centers are doing a great job of offering these kinds of classes that are specific uh, for seniors and also limited mobility classes, right? Chair yoga and things like this, Mm -hmm. which really can be phenomenal. And they also really boost your mood as well because they are also working with the energy body, right? So there is this shift beyond simply the physical exercise. And I wanna follow up there at least is what you just said is, because I I think one of the challenges about our state in Maine is that, you know, we do have a few population centers, but the majority of it is very rural, Mm -hmm. right? And when we say very rural, we're saying, you know, sometimes uh, a lot of the state is maybe two hours away from Mm -hmm. a population group, right? So Mm -hmm. for, for, you know, a town with 800 people, you know, it really tough to find that specialization of having a teacher that can, I can then plug into and do group work here. So I I guess want to say is, so what you just said is, Hey, finding a local teacher is, is one thing. If that's not available again, what you're saying, and I know with, uh, we're kind of still pandemic times and people are yeah. still using zooms and, and YouTube yeah. and things like that. How, how can people maybe plug into doing that maybe online a little bit more? Like yeah. how, how does, how does somebody find it again? And I will just say, Hey, from a population that still is adapting and learning to technology, mm. how do they easily more easily plug into that? Well, Number one is Google, right? And if you literally just Google senior yoga or limited mobility yoga, you will immediately get dozens of choices. And you will find both offerings like things like on Amazon where you can just purchase a recorded class that you can try. And in some cases, even for free. Mm -hmm. And you'll also find teachers that are offering live Zoom classes where they're teaching live and they can see you too, right? Mm -hmm. So you can try both. Now, anyone who is also has a service like Netflix or Apple TV or even Direct TV, many of these also offer yoga classes that you can try, mm-hmm. right? So again, then it's it's not live; they can't see you, so you're not getting feedback on your body. But you can try out different teachers, and then you can see if they offer live classes. So those would be the places that I would start. You can go to YouTube and search. Those would be the places I, I would start. Um, And along the theme of retirees, right, as we age, sometimes our mental abilities begin to decline, right? So our memory, concentration, reasoning, you know, sometimes diminish. Can meditation assist in helping us stay mentally sharp or at least slow that, slow that diminishing capacity? Um, And does how we meditate change as we age? It absolutely has been linked. Meditation has been linked to slowing the aging of the brain. It is about that practice of pulling your mind back over and over and the way that that helps create new neural pathways. And that's the great good news that is fairly new, like the last two decades. We used to think that as you aged, you did not create new neural pathways. We now know you can do it throughout your life. And this is in fact how stroke victims recover some of their functionality. Mm-hmm. Parts of their brain will take over functions that you know were actually damaged, right? That's neuroplasticity. Meditation works the same way. As you pull your mind back, it actually creates new neural pathways. So it definitely slows that aging process. Uh, And it's very helpful for that. 
I think in terms of how we meditate changing, you do have to honor your body's needs, mm -hmm. right? You do have to adjust uh, around your posture and uh, allow for more support. If you feel that longer periods of time are too fatiguing, then do shorter, find mm -hmm. the shorter windows that work for you. So I think those are the main things that you want to be looking for. I guess one of my questions here about changing um, how we meditate as we age, I guess my question would be, is there a minimum that has to be met in order to achieve those remappings? So my question is uh, like, I can't sit still for four minutes or something. So maybe, uh, but I can't get in that relaxation state if I'm really not there for, for 10 minutes to do the remapping. So is there something where maybe I'm not doing enough to, to kind of get there? And maybe as I'm aging, there's something that's restricting me from being able to do that? Yeah. Well, you know, there's the formal meditation practice, and then there's the integration practices of mindfulness throughout our day. And I think you can make up for the formal practice by just really throughout your day committing to little breaks of one minute, and you can get the same benefits. Okay. So in that case, some people, what I sometimes recommend people do is like literally you're setting in your Apple phone, a little alarm every hour, every couple of hours or your watch or whatever works for you. And like, okay, I'm going to spend one minute just breathing, trying to do elongated exhales, which is one of the ways, one of the best stress management breathing techniques, right? And if you're committing to that throughout your day, you can get a lot of the same benefits. So that may be an adaptation that works the best for some people. I, okay. I just got to say something real quick. You just convinced me to turn on the breathe uh, thing on my <laughs> Apple watch because <laughs> so, it was like, it yells at you. It's like, you need to breathe, Ben. You're not, you're, you're not taking a break right now. So all right, yeah. I'm, I'm turning that Turn back, it back on. on. <laughs> they know what they're doing <laughs> over there at Apple. <laughs> Lisa, I want to rotate a little bit um, or maybe zoom out a little bit. So, you know, Ben, Abby, and I, the three of us, you know, we, our goal is to work with our clients to help them use their money, you know, to work towards their life goals and more life fulfillment in general. So I want to ask you, you know, how can our listeners or our clients work with meditation chakras and energy cycles to reach those same kind of goals? Yeah. I mean, I think there are other meditation or con contemplation techniques that are really based on being able to open up your vision to what you want. And mm -hmm. this can be a real challenge. Uh, ben, you were speaking about earlier, getting caught in the past, some of the wrongs of the past. Sometimes mm -hmm. there needs to be some healing before we can contemplate and think about what is my vision, right? Mm. So I think there are techniques that I work with and other people work with where you allow yourself to just visualize yourself a year from now. And what do you want your life to look like at that point? Mm. That in and of itself can be a really helpful meditation. I think also you you know, using some of these techniques to focus on in on old patterns that you never have had time to address, right? Mm -hmm. You know, in many cultures, these years are called our wisdom years. I feel like in the West, we don't, we haven't completely embraced that. We've had some negative connotations around aging, that this generation is changing, right? Mm -hmm. And, but really what we want to do is, no, this is your wisdom years. This is when you have time to contemplate your life and what you've learned from it and pass it on. And meditation can be a part of that process in terms of giving you the time and the space to really look at things in a new way. So I think it's, it's, it really works together with those other tools. You know, I, even just kind of passingly is, is hearing the comment, well, I'm going to meditate on that, right? Is this yeah. whole like, right? So here's this idea where I'm going to just kind of 
I don't kind of settle with this idea or, or I need to kind of feel a direction out and it may be just kind of finding that piece is, is kind of needed through the meditation to kind of get forward in it. So I, I just kind of, what you just said kind of struck along those lines of what I've heard from some of our clients that have said that is all, Hey, well, I, I heard you say something here and I, I don't have a decision or I don't have a kind of a go forward uh, idea what I want to do, but maybe I'm going to meditate on that. So I, I've, I've just heard that enough where people have, so it kind of speaks to that, but I, I well, want to, yeah, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, one thing around that process is sometimes something brings up fear or anxiety discomfort. Part of what meditation is, is just learning to sit with those things instead mm-hmm. of just having the immediate no. And that's, that's mm-hmm. how I take that. Well, I have to sit with that. I need to meditate yep. with that. It's like part of what you're practicing is no, I can just sit with this uncomfortable emotion. Just let it be. It's mm-hmm. not going to destroy me. I don't have to go escape it. I don't have to go to my usual pattern of dealing with it. I can just be with this and it will pass and maybe I'll get used to this idea and then I can think about it differently, separate from my initial reaction. And I think that's where meditation really helps you with transformation and growth. I'm going to ask, uh, and this is not on our script of lists here, Lisa, <laughs> okay. but, uh, from, so it just feels like what you just described is because you see this some in, in again, just from observation, those that maybe a more, a little more deeply religious and you hear them kind of say, well, I'm going to pray on this, right. Is that they use this kind of sense of, so it sounds like there's very parallels to mm-hmm. meditation kind of sitting in this two verses. Well, I'm going to pray on that. Obviously there's maybe the, the focus is a little bit different of kind of what, what our conversation is within it, but it feels like it's a very similar type practice. Would you agree with that in terms of that back and forth? I do, you know, and it's interesting because I always emphasize that meditation can be really a secular, almost health-based practice. For me, it is a spiritual practice and meditation does exist in in every religion. And I think uh, one definition that I've heard that I really like is that praying is talking to God or source or spirit and meditation is listening right? Mm. And so we do both in all of our interactions. We talk and we listen, we, you know, we communicate and we receive. And so there's a place for both and many forms of prayer then involve sitting in silence and it's Mm -hmm. like you're receiving. And so I do think that together, they really, they work together. If if you relate to things spiritually. I've really never thought of that. That, That's really great. Kind of, because again, I, I think we're, um, again, just from kind of observing uh, the the prayer piece of like you know you're praying you're saying something to God right or you're saying something to your your spirituality so I, I that that's really great I I really like that I but I I want to go back to I know we preface this a little bit uh, but before we kind of go to the next question I wanted to ask you Lisa is you know it I feel like we'd be remiss of having a conversation about meditation without actually kind of maybe doing a little of it, right? So I would just maybe ask if you could just kind of uh, maybe do a two-minute meditation with us and maybe just kind of give that. Because I, I think from talking about it versus doing it is, you know, I, I think the two different things. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. And I think what I would like to do is a basic meditation focused on the heart chakra. Uh, as opposed to the breath. So if there's anyone, if you go out and do beginning meditation and you Google that, most of them are going to be focusing on your breath, the rise and fall of your belly as you breathe, or the feeling of the breath moving in and out of your nose. And that is a great method. But I'll just introduce something else because that is so much out there for people to find. um, And sometimes people gravitate more to this. 
So I'll invite everyone listening and you guys as well. Just get comfortable. And then the option of closing your eyes is really up to you. For some people, that's helpful. For others, it feels maybe too dark or drowsy. So if you if you feel that way, you can just lower your eyelids and allow your, your gaze to go gentle and soft. But you can leave your eyes open if that's more comfortable for you. And then I invite everyone to put one hand on top of the other on your chest for this. And do just breathe for now. Feel the rise and fall of your chest, your stomach, as you breathe. And if your mind wanders, just bring it back to your breath. But then what I'd like you to do is underneath your hands in the center of your chest, imagine there is a beautiful ball of white light, like a star. Alternatively, if visualization is not your thing, try to cultivate a feeling of warmth here. And now just say out loud, if you like, or in your mind, I am centered and calm. And what we'll do is we'll just sit in silence here for 30 seconds or so. Use this as your anchor. You can drop your hands if you prefer that. With this white light or feeling of warmth in your chest, whenever your mind wanders, when you come back, say, I am centered and calm. And then just try to keep your focus here. Good. Now gently open your eyes or raise your eyes and notice where in your body you might want to stretch. And before we sort of fully re-engage, just offer your body a little stretch in that place, listening to what it needs. And then use that as a transition back into Present awareness. <laughs> there, everyone just meditated. <laughs> right. well, again, for those that have never done it, again, I know. Again, as you said, the breath part is is maybe the the part where maybe we've we've all been introduced. So that, I, I like that. That was really different and good, kind good. of a kind of a fun way to do that was it. Awesome. Uh, good, good. I want to. So 
doing that two minute meditation, mm-hmm. right. And in retirement, really representing a time to, as you said, the wisdom years, really working on ourselves. So as we kind of preface a little bit as enduring years of stress, trauma, never really addressing it, right. And never really, you know, maybe we just never have time, right. Life, life just mm-hmm. can get very busy. So I, I guess my question, Lisa, is how does doing that two minute meditation or, or doing that routinely, as we talked about, maybe 10 minutes, um, you know, twice a week, six to 12 weeks working on that. How does that help address these traumas and help us get peace from those traumas and, and kind of impact us? Yeah. It creates space where you're taking a break from just habitual unconscious patterns that develop from trauma, et cetera. You know, a lot of our anxieties, our fears are based on past experiences that have never been dealt with, right? And so when you just take a break, you're, you're creating this space. And what begins to happen is more insight then develops in other parts of your life around that. Like you start to realize, wow, I am so tight all the time. Why is that? And you start seeking tools to help do that. So it usually is part of a complementary practice, right? For trauma healing in particular. And you might be talking to someone, a counselor, a mental health counselor of some type, right? Or you might be seeking other tools like yoga or healing modalities like acupuncture to deal with physical issues. And meditation will be a complement to that. I think in terms of trauma, if someone has trauma triggers uh, and really you could say anxiety patterns are part of trauma triggers, right? Like if something causes you anxiety, you know, then your pattern is when, when this particular type of thing happens, conflict or change or this particular type of news gets me into a state where I just cannot stop worrying, I can't sleep, et cetera. Well, what meditation, again, is helping you practice doing is letting go of that, not identifying with it when it, it, it arises. So you're breaking the cycle of that habitual reaction. That does take time. It might, you know, need some other support around meditation, but it's a big part of the process. Hmm. Now, in energy work, we often actually go into the emotions and how it feels in the body. Like, okay, you say you're, you get caught in these anxious cycles. When that's happening, what does it feel like in your body? Because we tend to be like, I think about this and then I think about that and I think about this. And when you say to someone, well, where do you feel that in your body? They're like, oh, okay. Well, my shoulders get tight. My stomach starts to hurt right? Mm -hmm. That you can do something with. Mm -hmm. You can use a breathing technique to relax your shoulders. You can focus on your stomach and there's different techniques you can do to imagine that pain going away. And those tools, when you use them over and over, again, start to remap your response. Yeah. And and because it sounds like Lisa, what you're saying here is, is by really addressing. So as you said, maybe coupled with, with other thing, whether it be therapy or, or because maybe this is just a couple of practice, but here's, here's a way to maybe you're, you're self meditating through meditation to address the physical part of this versus I, I think where, you know, maybe we self-medicate to negative in negative ways where yes. we hear that through, maybe we, we go to alcohol, you know, maybe we go to other, other areas that um, maybe leads to even more negative trauma as well. So, Again, what I like here is what I what I hear you saying is, again, from our perspective, we we sit down with them, so many of our clients, and they are just they can't address future because they've never addressed past. 
Yeah. So I, I like what you're saying there. And in from a, I, I know you kind of quasi address this, but I want to ask the question of, so how do these traumas, right? And, and maybe the, maybe it's major, right? Maybe there's something really significantly that's happened to us from a trauma in the past. How does that impact us the, energetically here? And how, how can then, so again, the energy work benefits survivors of severe trauma? Well, you know, you talked about self-medication for things that we haven't addressed in terms of addiction, or it can even be TV, et cetera. But it also is like emotional patterns that we develop, right? Like it can be anger that whenever something happens, you're confronted with change or something happening that is out of your control, you go immediately to anger, right? It's Mm -hmm. a habit, right? Or you go to depression, right? You just, uh, you, you feel like you can't, you go into overwhelm mode and then you shut down right? And you, and you shut yourself away from the world. Those are common trauma responses. Energetically in the body, they are actually represented as blocks in different chakras or different chakras, energy centers, not being able to flow. So we can work with exercises to help repattern them, right? So that's kind of how that, ha- that helps is you can really look at, okay, how have I been responding to things by default for years? And let go of the idea of I'm just this way. This is just the way I am right? Mm. If it's, that's fine. If it's really self-acceptance, right? But if there is something, some pattern of yours that is causing you suffering, right? You can always change it with the right support. And so that's, that's really what it's about. And I've worked with clients who are speaking sexual trauma 50 years after it's happened sometimes, right? Even just that speaking it for the first time and naming it has power to it and has healing right there and then just speaking it to someone. One of the things that we've touched on in quite a few of our episodes of the podcast is support, right? And so as we age, how do we find those groups that can still support us, even though we might be, you know, living farther apart than we used to from our support system. And one thing that has been growing in popularity is group meditation. So how does that differ from individual meditation Um, And do the benefits of group meditation include um, reducing social isolation and adding to that sense of community? Absolutely. And, you know, speaking to when you're mentioning your clientele being in in rural Maine, Mm -hmm. obviously the same challenges might arise to a physical group, but anyone can start their own physical group meditation, right? Because there are guided meditations out there that you could just get a small group together in your living room and listen to that. You don't have to have someone that is an expert in guiding it. Mm-hmm. And, then, and, then you, and then you sit and have tea afterwards and chat, right? <laughs> now, the art is doing the meditation first because if you do that first, and I know this from experience, <laughs> all of a sudden it's like, okay, two hours have passed, the meditation didn't happen. So do the meditation first. That's always my rule. Then chat. But anyone can do that if you find, and, and I, I know groups who rotate, excuse me, who decides the guided meditation they're going to do, right? Like Mm -hmm. someone finds a favorite online meditation and each time, each week, someone brings a different one. So that's definitely an option. But the other thing is just like with yoga, there are now so many online meditation platforms. You can do recorded meditations, but you can also do live meditations with teachers. Centers all over the world are offering weekly live meditations with a particular meditation teacher or guide. So I really encourage if you find a book on meditation or a guided meditation online that you like, that you look up if that teacher offers or their center offers live sessions 
And that can be a great way to meet people. And that is the one plus of COVID that there has been a mass increase in that and the availability of that. And I know like the meditation center I'm involved with is going to continue those, even though now some things are going back to in person because mm. it opened up who could attend. So I, I want to continue on uh, the theme of topics that come up a lot in our podcast episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is travel. We've had, you know, travel has been a part of a lot of episodes, whether it's, you know, planning that dream vacation with your family, um, deciding to move, where to retire to, whether you're living internationally or relocating from us in Maine to somewhere warmer. Um, We've even talked about traveling, you know, doing golf trips with your friends or, you know, retiree, uh, that group. But one thing we haven't talked about is meditation retreats. And I guess the first question is, is that, is that a thing? Are med- like what are meditation retreats, and then how do you, how would someone find one? How what would you suggest they do to you know plan a, a one that would be very impactful for them? Yeah, well, there's meditation retreats where you really go and that's all you're doing, and then there's more kind of wellness retreats or wellness vacations where you might be going mm. to a resort or a spa or re- or a center where they're offering meditation once a day. And it's part of the experience, but it's not the whole thing that you're doing. So it really depends on what you're looking for, right? I mean, there is this growing wellness uh, retreat center where you can go and do a meditation and yoga in the morning and the rest of the day you're traveling, right? You're, You're going to see the sights in that area. And that is the growing in popularity. And then there's meditation group retreats where it's like immersion in meditation, right? You're there to meditate many hours a day and often then also have perhaps private meetings with the instructor every couple of days to see what unfolds for you when you dive in in that way. To me, these are usually not someone who's just an absolute beginner in meditation. Mm-hmm. To do that, you're going to want to know you have some comfort level with it and usually some comfort level with the teacher, like it's mm-hmm. someone that you know and you know you can spend time with, right? There are introductory meditation retreats. And if you know a center, you trust them or someone has recommended them, then they're going to lay out an introductory meditation retreat that is paced. And so that could be a great way to just dive in. But in general, a a group meditation retreat is more when you're really comfortable with a particular organization or teacher Mm -hmm. and want to dive in. Um, So I think you have those two different options, kind of the wellness retreat vacation Mm. option or the dedicated retreat, which is more with an organization that teaches meditation. Mm, I like that. Lisa, that's a really, because uh, I think that's really kind of pretty important too. And and I think one of the things that we've just found is a really theme is, again, we're uh, in our 40s in terms of episodes here is, is to co- really, it's really important to combat social isolation, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and one of the things that's really important about that is to kind of find your tribe, right? Is to find your people and the things that you are interested in and finding people that also share those interests. And that's how you continue to reinvest in your, in your friend group, in your social group. And to do that, it sounds like that what would be pretty perfect is what you just said is, hey, with COVID, it's, you know, there, there might be the opportunity to meet more, um, maybe just friends from all walks of life, mm-hmm. but also to the point of like, well, here's a teacher I'm really interested in, right? In terms of, you know, whether it be the moving meditation practice or specific meditation that you want to really get involved with, but to go, hey, I, I can really try out that teacher. And then I can maybe, you know, if they're offering maybe a retreat or they're going to be at a retreat 
retreat and I can then meet them and these other people together, I can then go to that, then go back and feel reinvigorated. And maybe, you know, maybe my family or maybe other people are joining me on this trip. Maybe I do my thing in the morning uh, Mm -hmm. or when that time of day that we're we're doing those, those activities, I can then disengage from uh, my, my group. Uh, that I came with, then um, once we're done our thing, reconnect. Um, maybe they're doing their thing that they are having fun on this pl- location that we've never been to. So it's I can see where lots of themes that we can kind of get together. And I, I think it's it's important to say, hey, I'm really interested in doing this. And I really want to meet Lisa, for example, that she's going to be at this retreat. I want to go practice. I'm really excited about doing this planning a trip with your friends together, really owning it and kind of doing that more. I could just see where a lot of, I I can even just see, uh, I'm just thinking about my mother-in-law and her friend, Pat, who they get together, as you said, in their living room and they do Tai Chi together and they meditate and then they, they literally have their talk afterwards. (laughs) They do what you're talking about, but I can see where they would go, you know, that actually sounds pretty fun. Let's go somewhere, do something together, get a break and spice things up. So I, I could, I, I just wanted to kind of uh, throughput that theme because I think what you said is is really great there. Yeah, yeah. I know. And, and it used to be it was kind of the desert Southwest was famous for these, you know, Sedona, mm-hmm. Arizona. But really these wellness uh, retreats and spots, they're all over the country now. There's many in New England, uh, you know, et cetera. So you can really find them everywhere. And ditto for organizations that really specialize just in meditation retreats. So you have both available to you throughout the country and the world for that matter. That's great. Lisa, we have reached the final question of this podcast episode, and it's completely different than any of the questions we've asked you so far. So one thing we like to ask all of our guests, um, obviously, we're on the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. So I want to ask you, what is your personal definition of retirement success? Really owning those years as your wisdom years, doing the financial planning, which my husband and I are deep in right as well right now, (laughs) to, you know, work with what you have and make decisions that support what your goals are, your hobbies, your travel goals, your time with family. But also for me, you know, it is about owning those wisdom years, really turning to yourself and saying, okay, what growth do I still have to do? What healing you know, this is, this is, uh, uh, I'm both looking back and forward, right? And then I think the other piece to me is how can I be of service, right? Because that is really the other piece of the wisdom years that other people benefit from your wisdom. And maybe it's uh, your grandkids and family, or maybe it's in some other more way you volunteer with some local organization, or you pass on your knowledge online in some way. But I think this is a really important piece of it is uh, that, you know, this sense that you're passing on in some way, your wisdom. I love that. Lisa, I, I love that too. Cause it just, I think that that's something where, you know, I, I think for a lot of generations and just thinking about all the, the generations that come before all of us and if they could speak to us from those wisdom years. And if you had all those generations backwards coming, coming to you and giving you whatever piece of advice from their own life, man, how much richer and more knowledgeable we would all be about that. So I, I, I really, I think about that a lot, honestly, that's a really great point. Thanks for, thanks for doing yeah. that. So Lisa, I want to thank you for coming on our show. Can't thank you enough. Cause again, I know meditation is something where, again, maybe we've heard about, maybe we dabble in. 
I, I just love that you were able to come on and really kind of go through the stereotypes, but also help us really even just do a two minute practice of that and, and really go through this. So thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate having you on and, and can't wait to maybe having you on again. So thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank all of you for your thoughtfulness and, and questions. And I really appreciate it. All right. Well, you, you take care. Thank you so much. So today's topic being using meditation to de-stress and bring peace to your retirement, right? And and this is something where I, I know we 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 really I I I I know Barbara Higgins gave us that feedback maybe I don't know 10 or 15 episodes ago. <laughs> really just trying to find the right person here, right? We yeah. wanted to make sure that hey, here's somebody that can connect to different different forms of meditation, uh, but also kind of speak to it and maybe be a good kind of high-level expert and and I think Lisa Erickson did a fantastic job today of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I know from our end, what we always like to do is when we we, uh, uh, finish our shows is to just kind of recap a lesson that we took away from the show with Lisa today. So maybe Abby, have you lead off with with something you took away from uh, Lisa's conversation with us? Yeah, definitely. So as someone who practices yoga pretty regularly, I thought that everything she had to say was super interesting and really applicable, honestly, to retirees or really anyone, right? So the mental benefits of yoga or any type of meditation, along with the the physical benefits, particularly of something like yoga, which, you know, can be as strenuous as you want it to be are so valuable, right? And so I think she did a great job of illustrating that and showing that it can be, you know, accessible to anyone. And I know personally, I find it super helpful from a physical and mental standpoint. So I think, I think she did a really good job kind of sharing that it doesn't have to be something that's, you know, so out there or so scary to start. Anyone can do it and it kind of meets you where you're at. Hmm. I could see where, you know, and, and I know from maybe more traditional generations. And as, as Lisa saying is look, even the research of meditation, the impacts of, you know, rewiring your brain pathways and, and there's really now scientific evidence for Mm -hmm. doing this. And it's really not just a, here's the Eastern medicine that, you know, is maybe not understood and really not, um, you know, maybe, maybe just dismissed, I guess, Mm -hmm. is that uh, I think it's easy for us to dismiss that just because previous generations have also dismissed and, that so again being open to it really being open to that uh, uh, kind of different ways to maybe stress release uh, maybe to bring peace in different ways again I, I thought I thought it was a, a really good job by Lisa so a very good point Abby uh, mm. Curtis from your end what was something that you took away from uh, from our talk with Lisa I'm, I'm going to kind of piggyback on what Abby started to talk about with the you know the accessibility um, I think uh, Lisa did a great job kind of, you know, laying out that it really can be for anyone, you know, you don't have to be in your 20s and super fit to be able to do things like advanced yoga or, or to, to reap the benefits of yoga and meditation. It's even when she was talking about traditional meditation, just sitting in a chair, whether you needed that extra pillow or you need to be on a couch, like the goal in, in, in achieving the benefits are are for anyone and doing as Abby was talking about yoga, you know, you can modify the moves and the different poses and, you know, speaking as someone who's in his twenties, but not flexible at all, I need modified yoga because I can't touch my toes. So, you know, it's great that everyone, you know, can benefit and, and really achieve, you know, the mental piece I think is, is really important and, and it's accessible for anyone. So I think she did a great job, you know, laying that out. 
Well, we didn't mean to make you uh, uh, kind of come to terms with your your uncomfortable flexibility, but yeah, appreciate you, know. you kind of owning that. It's all good. Um, you know, I I will say, you know, from our end, or especially me, you know, I I I know we've kind of talked about we all have various levels ourselves of spirituality, right? And mm-hmm. and you know, I had never really kind of until we kind of asked that question today, really put the two together, right? Is this like meditation? I thought being one compartment and maybe spirituality being another. I like what she said about the whole, um, you know, uh, prayer maybe being is you're speaking to the spirituality, but you know, I, I, what I, what I love that she said today was meditation was really the art of listening mm-hmm. is that, that you really kind of being in it and really listening and opening yourself up and get bringing yourself back to that center that your mind wanders, but you're continuing to bring that back. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's where, you know, I, maybe from the spirituality side, maybe there's people that are getting frustrated out there because they're spending all their time talking and never any of their time listening. Yeah. So, you know, if it's hard to get answers when you're just kind of always on and always kind of talking to it. So I, I thought that was a really kind of neat way to bridge the two. And, and again, maybe that's something, it wasn't obvious to me, but um, I thought that was something where kind of melds that too. And, and again, we all, I guess we all have our levels of spirituality or not, but still meditation still is that active, even listening to yourself, right. And, Mm -hmm. and listening to your body and what it's telling you and where the stressors are and, and really working on that too. So again, really, really kind of a neat, uh, I thought a neat thread that that we kind of pulled out there. Well, of course, want to thank you all for listening in today's show. Um, We are going to have some links there to Lisa's um, Lisa's website. We're actually, uh, she, she has lots of different publications out there and, and books. So we'll have some links to those as well. Mm-hmm. You can find those when you go to blog.guidancepointllc.com. And that's backslash four, three, because we're at episode 43. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, I'd love to have you check that out. And if you, um, if you like this episode, love to have you hit us up with a review, let us know how we're doing, you know, let us know, uh, get Barbara Higgins, uh, reach out to us. I know I've mentioned her now three times in this show, but, um, you know, I promise that we don't, we don't have to out you in terms of the recommendation, but if you have topics that you want to see us address to in the future that, that you think might be helpful, love to do that too. Yeah. So always love to hear from listeners. We can't thank you enough for listening in and tuning in, but, um, we will catch you next time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you've just listened to an information-filled episode of the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. While this show is about finding more ways to improve your retirement happiness, Guidance Point Advisor's mission is to help our clients create a fulfilling retirement. We do financial planning so that people can enjoy retirement and align their monetary resources to their goals. If you're wondering about your own personal success, we invite you to reach out to us to schedule a 45-minute listening session. Our advisors will have a conversation with you about your goals, your frustrations, and your problems. Make sure you check out Guidance Point Advisors on our blog, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can always check out more episodes of this podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And of course, keep on finding your retirement success.